0: today our show is coming to you from the Proclaim 18. It's the 2018 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. We have been bringing you a series of interviews from the convention, meeting some wonderful people doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. We're visiting folks that have ministries here in Tennessee, throughout the United States. And today we've got someone all the way from Israel, Pastor Israel Pachter. Shalom. Shalom. Welcome to Nashville. Welcome to America. Glad you're here today with Bot Radio.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure and blessing to be here.
0: Is this your first time to participate in the NRB convention?
1: It's a second time.
0: Were you born in Israel? Tell me about your backstory, a little bit about your family. Yeah.
1: My family came from Eastern Europe. Running from Nazi Germany to Poland, from Poland to Ukraine. And then they locked in Ukraine, couldn't leave because of the revolution and all the changes. So I grew up with the dream to come to Israel. And when I got saved and started to read the Bible, it's really hit me. Because I understood that plan of God for every Israeli, every Jewish person actually to move to Israel and to fulfill the prophecy. So when you read the Bible about northern Jews or northern Exodus... Uh, Like uh, Jeremiah 16 says, they will come, says the Lord. You're not going to say anymore, blessed be the Lord who brought us out of Egypt. But you're going to say, blessed be the Lord who brought us out of northern country. So I'm the one of many who came from northern country back to the land of Israel.
0: So originally from Ukraine, raised in an Orthodox Jewish home?
1: Uh, no, I had a secular family. My family, who ran from Holocaust, disappointed in God, and they had a hard time to explain how it can happen. So they decided there is no God. It's easier to say there is no God than to deal with the problem in the Holocaust. Uh, so I raised uh, by secular Jewish family, Jewish parents, who taught me, all the basics but my great-grandma she kept her faith in god and she really planted seeds of faith in my life so growing up i always prayed to god uh, knowing that i'm jewish but i didn't went to synagogues because all my synagogues were closed in my city did you bar mitzvah uh, no i didn't do bar mitzvah and one of the reasons uh, all the synagogues were closed and forbidden so for jewish people it was illegal to worship god in soviet union time
0: Help paint a picture. Just reflect back for a moment. We're going to talk about a variety of the aspects of your life and ministry. Here in America, we have freedom to worship. People have Muslim faith and Buddha and Christian. There's freedom yes. of religion, expression, worship God. But what was it like for you to be in a place that was not allowing public or open worship?
1: That was our situation. Uh, everybody knew in this city when it used to be synagogue. This building used to be synagogue. Now it's a Soviet music school. Here going, uh, used to be synagogue and now it's a club. And here is a church. Used to be church, but now it's closed and turned to museum. But always closed. Never opened their doors. Byzantine church from the Byzantine times. So that was the atmosphere. It was illegal to believe God and speak about God. Now, my personal story, hearing about God from my grandma... Uh, she always taught to me about fear of God, and you know, God is watching you, and she really did a great job in this atmosphere, and I remember raising up, praying to God, talking to God without any specific religion, but just knowing I'm Jewish and praying to Jewish God, but I remember being in the first grade in this school, six years old. Your teacher, like God for you, you know, very big person, yes. very respectful person. So, uh, been couple months in the school, she said, kids, be quiet, I want to give you a very important message. It was quiet in the class, everybody sitting quiet. And he said, you know, some people believe in God. So, we Soviet people sent out astronauts, sent rockets to the sky, to the cosmos, and we check it out, there is no God. So, don't believe in God, because it does not exist. That was your message. So it confused me for a couple of weeks. But then I missed my bus home and I started to pray again. We
0: well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you talk about the former Soviet Union. There was a lady I've had on this program before from Soviet. She was one of the mm-hmm. minister of education, I believe. But, you know, after the revolution and when the walls came down, actually after the walls came down, she was given an assignment because there was they created in, in Soviet Union a moral vacuum People were committing suicide at high rates. Alcohol and drug abuse was rampant. So she was given an assignment to find out how can we bring the young culture and people to be stable. She did research for two years, and she discovered that before the revolution, 70, 75 years earlier, the Russian people read the Bible. Yes. And so she did research and said, well, that was the answer. Well, as she studied and read, she remembered that her grandmother as a little girl against the law against Soviet Russian law at the time, communist mm-hmm. law, her grandmother taught her about Jesus. And so she started mm-hmm. reflecting back. Anyway, as she read the Bible, she came to Christ. She was given an assignment to teach the Bible as a textbook through all the classrooms in Russia. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know where that stands today. I haven't seen her in several years, mm-hmm. but I'm just trying to help paint a picture too, what it's like for our people listening today here in the U.S. Pastor Israel To be in an oppressed atmosphere and how we should not take for granted the freedom and the privilege we have to worship our God and to serve our God and to look for ways to tell other people about his grace and mercy.
1: That's right. You see, till age of 18, I never met any believer. I never heard about Jesus. I never heard about uh, anything connected to the Bible. And I saw first time Bible in my life when I turned 18. I even didn't see the Bible ever. it was forbidden it was illegal guys who carry bibles went to prison so it was no Bibles around. No, you know, it was pre-internet time, so you couldn't Google Bible, you couldn't do anything like that. Yes. So to hear the gospel, actually,
0: it was a big miracle for me. So what was that moment? Where were you when you heard the gospel for the first time?
1: Yeah, I was in Crimea, planning my move to Israel because freedom just started to come, and I heard that some Jewish people now allowed to leave uh, Ukraine to leave back then Soviet Union. So I started to prepare and do my research. The information wasn't easy to reach. And I uh, started to pray, really pray every day, speaking with God, speaking with the heavens, nothing specific. But one day I met a friend who just became a believer. He was passionate about Jesus. He was like crazy. Pe- others people told, he lost his mind. He became you know crazy Christian guy. So I met him. When I met him, I loved him. He was a great guy. When I met him, so he uh, witnessed to me Jesus. Now, when he started to witness, what I knew, I didn't know much, but I knew I'm Jewish and Christianity is not for me. It's not for Jewish people. So I told him my objections and he was very smart. I don't know how he knew this stuff. He was a brand new believer, but he said, Israel, you're wrong. You know that Jesus was Jewish. You know the Bible was written by Jewish people. The Old Testament, totally Jewish, was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written by Jewish guys. They used the Greek language, but it is Jewish book. Then I said, well... Keep talking because I felt the Holy Spirit on me, and you know, my heart was uh, hungry for the truth. So he preached me the gospel from the morning till evening. I changed all my plans. We went together, and uh, I received Jesus same day, and my life changed because I literally experienced how he came to my life and changed my
0: heart. So you hadn't arrived in Israel yet at this point. No, Not I was, in Israel, but you're hoping to go to Israel. Yes to go to Israel. Okay, now, so this new experience, you know, you become a Christian, trusting Jesus and learning about Him. How did your family respond to that when you told them about Jesus in your life?
1: Well, uh, when I came to my mom, she was very sick. Uh, she was lying in the bed for a few months uh, with kidneys, and doctors couldn't help her. So I also heard from this guy. Never saw in my life, but I heard from this guy that God can heal so I came to my mom, I shared the, my testimony, I said, I met Jesus, I'm a believer now. She was too busy with her sickness, she was like, just look at me, like, what is it? And I couldn't explain properly. But what I did do, I said to her, and by the way, Bible promised that I can pray for you, and you, probably God will heal you. So I would you like me to pray? She said, yes, please pray for me. I, she was in bad pain. So I prayed for her, nothing happened, and I left. Next day, I came home, and she was totally healed. So she had no objections anymore. She really believed that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah.
0: That experience caused her to turn her trust in yes, Him. that's right. So th- now we're starting to see a revival in your home.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Your father was he still living at that time?
1: Uh, no, I don't have my father gone. Yeah, he dead.
0: Do so you have other siblings?
1: Yeah. uh, Actually, all my brothers, they received the Lord. And two of my sisters, they live in my city in Israel today. They also believe in Yeshua, Jesus. And they worship Hebrew way, Jewish way, but they worship Yeshua, Jesus.
0: What's it like for an immigrant first arrived to Israel? Can't imagine what it would be like to start a new life again. How are you received?
1: Uh, You see, my story goes when revival broke, like a year later, revival broke really, and I, when I say revival, I mean you're going to the street, you're witnessing to people, and everywhere you go, people cry and they receive Jesus, and actually like I remember, still remember stories, when you come to elderly couple, telling them they know Jesus loves you, and they would go, uh, no, we are atheists, we are communists, we are atheists, we don't believe in God really, but you know, Jesus died for your sins and you're giving them basic gospel, one minute speech, they crying, and they're receiving Jesus, so that was amazing move of God, so so in that I thought probably I will stay here and I will be here because of the revival. And when I get retired, then I will move to Israel. That was my perspective because of revival again. You know, nobody wants to leave revival. So in the middle of that, God just uh, spoke to me dramatically. It was a dramatic experience. And he literally told me, I heard the voice. I don't know, inner voice, outside voice, but it was like cloud of glory. And he said to me, leave everything behind. Move to Israel. Preach the gospel in the land of Israel. So I said, yes, Lord. And I just married, just married with my wife. I was 20 years old. I shared with my wife what God talked to me. And a year later, we moved to Israel. Now, I came to Israel with great excitement because I know God is sending me uh, to preach the gospel to Israelis. I didn't know much. So I didn't know it will be very, very difficult. (laughs) It was really coming from revival to the spiritual desert. You know, when nobody interested in the gospel, nobody want to hear the gospel. But the word from God was my inspiration. Back then, uh, 20, now we're speaking about 23 years ago, uh, back then, congregations in Israel, or churches, we call them Messianic congregations, they were underground. So it was even challenging to find congregation, to find other believers, they all were underground. But God didn't do miracles.
0: Is a church allowed to have a a functioning congregation in Israel?
1: Well, it's a uh, good question because legally, yes, it is allowed. It's a free country, so we can worship God and you can believe in whatever you like to believe. And we have all kinds of religions in Israel as well. But, in fact people doesn't like it. Now, it changed a lot. Since I arrived to Israel, it's like different country. But back then, nobody would, would like to speak about Jesus. Nobody would like to have conversations about Jesus. So evangelism or outreach was very difficult. That was a big surprise to me. So having this passion to preach the gospel to my people, you have fire in your heart, but you have people who don't want to hear about Yeshua or Jesus, just nothing. So I remember uh, study language, study Hebrew, study culture, being part of the congregation. And by the way, you know, I found congregation in the ways of just miracles. My wife she grabbed the newspapers from the neighbor asking them how we can find job in Israel. You know, we arrived, now I need to go to work. Yeah,
0: that was my next question for you actually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we just landed, we don't know anybody. And I have ten dollars in my in my pocket. The government provides little funds, so we're in that apartment, all funds gone.
0: So we don't have any money. Government provide funds for you, Pastor Israel, because you were Jewish and yes. coming to Israel. Is that yeah, right? Coming back okay. to Israel. The okay.
1: Aliyah, you know, the government helps to do first steps in the land. It's very basic. It's very little. Sure. So we came with uh, two suitcases to the land of Israel. And if back then you would ask me, what do you need? I would tell you everything. You know, like forks and knives and uh, cups and everything, you know. So it was it was challenging. But because, again, because we had vision preach the gospel to Israelis and we know God is moving us so we were excited and we just didn't, didn't thought much about this stuff and we were young it's part of the deal you know the younger you are the better it is to move to Israel but anyway so uh, looking for a job my wife opened newspaper and I saw advertisement first and last in the history of Israel advertisement an invitation to the messianic meeting in Jaffa so
0: Can you imagine? Add in the newspaper, you said the first and the last. Yes, because it was forbidden after that. First and uh, and last advertisement.
1: It was just for us, for us to find congregation. So uh, I said, well, praise the Lord, because we've been praying. Help us, Lord, to find believers. We knew there have to be believers. There must be Jewish believers in the land of Israel, but we couldn't find. There is no Internet, like I said. It was pre-Internet time. It was 90s. So uh, next week... We found congregation there. In two weeks, we found Beit Emanuel, the congregation we actually been part of for the next 10 years.
0: Beit Hillel? It was my first congregation I attended. That was the first one you came yeah. to? Now, when I said Beit Hillel, am I saying that right?
1: Yeah, I'm a pastor of Beit Hillel now. Congregation I planted when I moved from Tel Aviv to Ashdod,
0: and it's another story. We want to go there. I want to make okay. sure we can get as much of this in because this is exciting information you're sharing, and not just information, this is the power Of the gospel of Jesus Christ this is something as we mentioned there are other faiths but there's faiths without the power because Christ came out of the grave the confirmation of his holiness his sovereignty him being as he said the way the truth the life and you're taking it to the people of Israel so obviously found jobs
1: yeah found jobs found congregation found spiritual family uh, right away came to pastor saying him, I ready to, in, to help you with anything you need. And it was very small congregations.
0: You have been in this position now for what, 10 years pastoring this church? 13 years. 13 years. What have been some of the challenges for you to pastor a church in Israel?
1: Well, lots of challenges, lots of challenges. First of all, even in Tel Aviv when I just started to attend the congregation, I had passion for evangelism. I had passion to share the gospel with Israelis. So I started to be involved with the full-time ministry. The congregation hired me to be an evangelist of the congregation. And the only way to evangelize back then was just go to the street and speak to people. So with all my passion and gift and experience from revival, I went to the streets of Tel Aviv, the most open city for any new ideas. And I spent days and days and... It, was, it, was, it used to be weeks when I couldn't have even one normal conversation. People would just get mad. People would like to talk about Yeshua, Jesus. It was tough. It well, was really I tough. Mean,
0: would it get tough enough that there was possible harm coming to you? Would people try to hurt you or quiet you because you were talking about Yeshua? Uh,
1: not physically, but yes, people would be mad. People would shout at me like, what, what are you doing? Where are Jewish people? How dare are you to preach the gospel to Jewish people? And all that kind of conversations. Yeah. So uh, after six months of daily evangelism, I have seen First Lady who agree to come to the congregation not even get saved but just agree to come and check what is messianic congregation it was 20 years ago today we have totally different story today we have new believers every week so Israel's changes, changes and this is
0: one of the things we cannot run out of time pastor Israel before we talk about the movement of God today 2018 where we are right now mm-hmm. and some of the things that are happening because You told our general manager, Todd Payne, met you at our bot booth. Again, we're here at the 2018 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville this year. Todd met you at our booth. He called me and he said, Byron, you've got to meet Pastor Israel, and I'm so glad we did. So talk about this revival. You're saying people are getting saved weekly coming into your congregation.
1: Yes. We see movement of God, and again, compared to how it used to be 20 years ago, it feels like revival, for
0: sure. And what's the difference, do you think, Pastor?
1: Well, first of all, I believe it's a time, prayers of Christians, because I know Christians are praying for Israel. My personal experiences, when I would work in the building, in the construction, and the Holy Spirit would just fill me, and every time it happened, I knew. It's because Christians are praying for Israel, they're praying for salvation of Israel all the love of christians all the participation in different projects in israel when they would just pour love on israelis little by little changing the spiritual atmosphere in the land of israel now you know we have great promises of god god has promised to save the nation of israel international revival in every nation of course but also he specifically promised that all israel shall be saved and now we see just the beginning just the beginning it's a new day we see young people Young people are desperate to know the truth. Not everybody, of course, but there is more and more young people who are ready to check for themselves, to open the Bible and discuss and see. And, of course, work of the Holy Spirit. So the atmosphere in general changes. And big part of it, really, is support. And love of christians especially from america but also from every other nations
0: can you give us some specific examples where you're seeing this movement of god mm-hmm. people's lives change, people from different walks of life in israel coming to faith in christ
1: yes our strategy when i mo- first moved to ashdod we started to preach the gospel in the streets of uh city and it didn't work much so we've been praying for directions from god how to do that and god led us to humanitarian work and I was disappointed with the humanitarian work in Tel Aviv because it didn't carry any fruits. I mean, you helping people is great, but there is no continuation, you know, no, no next steps. So praying, God gave us words from the Isaiah when Isaiah said, Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord, speak tenderly to the heart of Jerusalem. So I knew that we need to have patience, just help people to comfort them, to speak encouragement to them, and God will do the rest. And we started, and it's what changed our city actually, we started to help and to embrace the Holocaust survivals, old people, the veterans of Second World War, new immigrants uh, when they come into the land like me. Uh, When I was young, when I just moved to Israel, people who have big needs and, and the biggest need is actually encouragement because they are in the new land, many times they have no family to help them, they just lost. You know, the government provides very basics, but there is nobody to love them, to smile to them, you know, to, to take their hands and to lead them through this process. And what we do as community, as Messianic community, as Messianic congregation a church in the city of Ashdod.
0: So that really the opportunities of ministry is just endless, sounds like to me. Now, are you having to continue your occupational work to help sustain your family, or is the ministry now to a place where you're able to draw from God providing through the ministry? Now we
1: are a full-time congregation. I used to work and do ministry, yeah, but sure. now we are full-time. I'm full-time. And we have uh, 300 people in our congregation, so now it's we are...
0: Now, do you have a staff that works with you, too?
1: Yes, we have staff. We have uh, evangelisms actually, and uh, yeah, we do have staff who reaching out to Israelis all the time. Where specifically is your congregation? Where do you meet? We're located in the city of Ashdod. It's uh, south of Tel Aviv on the coast. It's a beautiful Jewish city. It's uh, really one of the modern cities of Israel. Ancient because, you know, Ashdod known in the Bible because of the Ark of the Covenant that was brought to Ashdod by Philistines. But it is one of the cities of Judah, according to Joshua 15-16. In New Testament, Ashdod mentioned in connection to Philip the Evangelist. When he was translated by the Holy Spirit, after preaching and baptizing Ethiopian and Anak, he landed in my city and he preached the gospel in the city of Ashdod. So he started. 2,000 years later, we continue.
0: There is a ministry called Voice of Judah Israel. I want to talk about the relationship of this ministry to your congregation. Is this something that you started as a pastor? How did this ministry, Voice of Judah Israel, come about?
1: Yeah, the vision was from God uh, because... When we do uh, outreach, local outreach, it's a congregation, res- responsibility of congregation. But speaking of missions, speaking of planting new congregations, starting new churches in Israel, starting new projects in different cities, uh, we needed help from outside. We needed help. That's the connection with uh, Brother Greg and many others who just was, were praying how we can help Israel, how we can practically help Israel, and God just connected us.
0: And you mentioned Brother Greg Ranny Greg is here right now. And, Greg, let's slide that microphone over there. We're kind of sharing microphones as we're on location on this remote here today. Greg, tell me about how you first made contact here with Pastor Israel, and tell me about your connection with Voice of Judah Israel.
2: Well, it's really interesting because he would come to the United States to just meet with pastors and just try to share with Americans. What is happening in the land of Israel? Not what you see on TV, not what you hear on the radio, but what's really happening in the land with the Messianic Christian people in Israel. And as he would do that, people would come up to him and they would say, we want to support you. How do we support you? And we had no real means of doing that. So people would just hand him checks and cash. And because of how taxes and things are set up in Israel, it's difficult for a pastor or any anybody from Israel to be able to take money to be able to use that. So he came up with a strategy where we would start the not-for-profit Voice of Judah Israel here in the United States, a 501c3, so that if people's hearts were towards Israel and they wanted to seed into a messianic community of believers that was helping the humanitarian and practical needs of the immigrants and refugees, Holocaust victims, widows and orphans in Israel, they could give to the Voice of Judah Israel, and then we would channel that money, funnel it to the Beit Halel congregation where they could do that. And as they do that, they're building relationships with these people that are really filled with a lot of skepticism and not really comfortable in receiving things for free. But as that relationship develops then they're more open to hear the gospel message and as we share the gospel then by the thousands they're coming to know Jesus as Yeshua HaMashiach
0: it is so exciting showing real love loving people unconditionally my pastor often says compassion without compromise you know yes. when you refer to the ministry to the holocaust survivors there's many and I understand the government it's so different is it compared to the US you know we have a The Medicare, Medicaid, that's not the best situation in the United States, don't get me wrong. But the conditions are not even close to that in Israel. The government, they're trying to protect themselves. A lot of their money goes into the military aspect of their defense. So a lot of the elderly don't get the total care. So organizations are coming in and helping. As you said, Pastor Israel, it's another outreach to be able to show love. And some of these, their homes need repair. They need food, and they need help substance and medical needs that they have too. And so I'm sure this is another aspect you're able to minister.
1: Yeah, that's right. We work with many volunteers from America, from different churches or personal people who come in for short-term Missions. Of course, we worship together, we study Bible together, we share stories and testimonies. They see new believers, young believers, like young soldiers who just get saved and receive the Lord and become brothers and sisters in the Lord, but also helping poor and needy together. And that's a great tool and great way to encourage people. Like when we do projects and Christians around, I always interview them and ask Christians, tell me, brother, tell me, pastor, tell me, sister... Why you are Christian, you're not Jewish, but you stand with Israel, you support Israel, you care about our people, you pray for our people. What is the reason? And they would just genuinely say, that's the Bible, number one, and Jesus, number two. Yes. Because Jewish uh, Messiah, or, you know, Savior Christ, saved me, saved my life, and taught me to pray, for, love everybody, and especially people of Israel. We see tears, we see reconciliation, we see people just shocked, and many said, many testified, Growing up in Soviet Union, growing up in Europe, growing up in different yes. countries, we thought Christians they are hate us, and we see media, we see how countries standing against Israel, and now we see you come and you loving us and you praying for us, and they just just broken and you see tears and you see joy
0: well we don't have a whole lot of time pastor but i do want to make one connection with our memphis listeners in israel now because there is a messianic jewish congregation brit hadashah in our city has been for a number of years and the former teacher chad holland moved his family back to israel in the last couple of years he is shepherding a messianic jewish congregation in israel now and i believe in jerusalem is that yeah. right
1: yeah he's a pastor in jerusalem
0: yeah and you know him right pastor yes pastor, i know
1: him he's a good friend
0: pastor chad and i'm sure that those relationships with other pastors fellow believers are so important for you
1: oh yeah i have to add we have great unity in israel compared to many countries you know it's a small country we do have persecutions, we do have rejection we do still struggle with some challenges uh, so we are it's brought us close together so we have great relationship with Arab Christians as well. We have uh, lots of common prayer meetings and reconciliation meetings. And there is really good dynamics between Jewish believers in Jesus and Arab Christians. I'm so
0: glad you mentioned the Arab Christians too. I think it's important. A lot of times we don't consider or mention them. And I think it's important because this is the body of Christ. And it's made up of all the nations, you know. That's And right. uh, he's calling all the nations to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, if people want to know more information about Voice of Judah Israel if they wanted to participate in uh, providing financial support or to pray or to get newsletters. Greg, is there a website?
2: Absolutely. You can go to our website. It's vojisrael.org. If you ever come to
0: Israel, it would be nice to come to your church to have fellowship with your congregation.
1: Yes. If you're ever in Israel, come to visit us in the city of Ashdod. And again, on the website, Greg just mentioned. You can find our information and come to visit and worship God together in Hebrew language. We will do translation for you, but it will be Hebrew worship, Hebrew preaching. You are welcome to participate in our projects and together with us comfort people of Israel like the
0: Lord says. Well, God bless you, my dear brothers. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom in the land of Israel. Thank you for joining BOT Radio Network today. Thank you. Shalom. Shalom. Friend, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.